Eating healthy, living healthy, being healthy. This is the Holistic Keto Goddess Podcast. A podcast focused on holistic wellness and teaching you about incorporating the keto diet and lifestyle changes to achieve an energetic balance. Teaching you how to live now so you don't struggle to live later. And now, your host, Jessica Ankaya. Welcome back to another episode of Keto and Energetic Balance. Today I have my friend Rebecca Huff with That Organic Mom, and we're going to chat a little bit today about organic food and all kinds of different fun stuff. How are you doing today, Rebecca? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, we're so glad to have you here. So what inspired you to get into blogging in the first place? I know you've been a blogger for quite some time now, and you have very inspirational blogs. I've looked at all of them, so you've really helped me out. And so what inspired you in the first place to get started? Well, thank you for the compliments. I actually just love helping people, which is kind of how I got started. Before I actually started writing online, I would write these newsletters that I would then print out and mail to anyone and everyone who was interested in health and wellness and recipes. So before blogging and the internet was a thing, I actually created these, I called them planting seeds newsletter. And I would just plant these seeds about health and longevity and everything. And I just love to write and share. I was like health evangelist, I guess. And so that just kind of led into me writing my blog. So I would get groups of people together and we would do things like green smoothies or like how to make homemade salad dressings and would do all these little fun classes at my house just because I absolutely love to do that sort of thing. And people would start asking me questions and I would type up a big, long email and send it to someone. And then the next week, someone would ask the same question. I would copy that email and paste it into another email and send it to the next person. And eventually someone was like, you should just start writing a blog. You should write all of this stuff down. So I thought that's, that's not a bad idea. So that's how it got started. Well, great. So recently I looked at that organic mom and I was just perusing through it. And in terms of eating, do you believe that there are certain targeted diets for certain body types? I mean, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that book talks about different bodies and different diets. And what are your thoughts on the keto diet and and that sort of thing? Kind of delve into that a little bit. What What is your approach? That's a good question. Well, I absolutely do believe that different body types respond differently to different types of diets. So I always say this, I've helped lots of women and several men shed weight over the last few decades. And one thing that I can say with absolute certainty is there is no one size fits all diet. I say that all the time. Uh, People can get really frustrated when they attempt a diet and they don't see the same results that maybe someone else had. And it's very frustrating. It's also very easy to get caught up in the culture of a diet. And I say that because I've experienced it myself. I've seen it happen to other people. 
so it can be kind of good and kind of bad because the culture of a diet is what kind of keeps you motivated and keeps you doing that thing and trying the keto products or, you know, whatever the diet is that you're doing, maybe it's paleo or vegan or whatever, that kind of momentum keeps you going, but it does have kind of a negative side sometimes because when a diet doesn't work for someone, let's just use the raw vegan diet for an example, because that's what happened to me is I believed in this diet. I got fully wrapped up in the whole culture of the diet. And when I started having some health challenges that were related to the diet, I would talk to people and they would say, Oh, you're not implementing it. Not everything you're eating is, you know, hundred percent raw. Or maybe you're letting too many, um, cooked foods into your diet. So what happens a lot of times is that when you start having some health challenges related to maybe something that's different about your body than someone else who's had success on that diet, a lot of times other people will try to blame the fact that you're not doing it perfectly. When in all actuality, our bodies are different. You know, we have different blood types and you know, we have different intolerances and there's so many different avenues that you could go down. And without getting too deep into that, some people have thyroid issues and some people just have a sluggish metabolism for other reasons. Hormones can be a factor. You know, there's so many different things, emotional and physical that can block us from losing weight. And this is something I think we've talked about before and you teaching about chakras and all of the ways that can hinder you from having success on a diet. So I do think that the keto diet is a wonderful diet. It can be used to help in a number of situations, but it's obviously not perfect for everyone. Yeah. And I explain that to people too, that are wanting to get started with keto. There's a lot of these people that I've encountered that can't do keto and have had difficulty even losing weight on keto. And it all basically, I feel like comes down to portion sizes at the end of the day. And the keto diet to begin with was meant for epilepsy. So Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people forget that. So yeah, I totally agree with you. I think everybody has a different diet that'll work for them. And it's really about lifestyle changes and portion sizes. And it it goes so much deeper than diet itself. Doesn't it? I I do believe in the keto diet. I've seen it work wonders, but again, it's just not for everybody. And there's several different renditions of the keto diet too. I mean, some people add in more carbs and then some people do very little. So it's just, it just depends on Obviously, if you do more carbs, it's not really keto. You're more in the low carb spectrum then. So right. I'm glad to get your take on that because it's just not for everybody. And and I've realized right. more. I think too, whenever you know, something works for someone, they get really excited about it yeah. and they want to share that with other people. And often someone maybe will be convinced to do a particular diet because someone else they knew had really huge success with that diet. And then they don't get the same results and, you know, they go back to the other person, like, what am I doing wrong? And, and it can be frustrating because it's not necessarily that they're doing something wrong. It's just, you know, they have a different body type or different circumstances and different people react to different ways. So it's just something to keep in mind. Different diets work for different people. And like you were saying, sometimes intermittent fasting works well for some people, other people, 
don't have as much success. And there's some people who can't do intermittent fasting. Yep. And I think, and it's great if you can, but I, again, I more and more I'm learning. It's all about how many calories we take in portion size more than anything. Cause I've seen people that do keto that eat 2000 or more calories. And like, I'm not losing weight, but my carbs are super low, but keto has a lot of benefits too. There's benefits for other things. And I'm open to learning about other things too. So it's just nice hearing that from you. And I think a lot of it, like you're relating to the chakras. So I think a lot of it comes down to your solar plexus chakra. And I did an article on that last year and also a podcast on that. So anyway, but we won't go there. Interesting. Another podcast. I'm definitely interested in learning more about chakras from you. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So let's talk about a little bit about sleep on that organic mom. You really emphasize sleep a lot, which I really love because I feel like sleep is the foundation for everything. So what is one thing that has worked best for you when it comes to sleep? Or do you feel like it's a combination of factors such as sleep hygiene, mattress, stress reduction? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, just like with diet, there's usually not one technique that works for everyone. There are certain things that everyone can do to improve their sleep quality. There are things that are scientifically backed, like for example, sticking to a regular schedule of sleep, like going to bed at the same time every night and getting up the same time every morning, even on the weekends. And people hate to hear that. And I get a lot of feedback from people saying like, why do I have to get up at the same time on the weekend? But it definitely makes it easier to get up at six or seven o'clock on Monday. If you get up at six or seven o'clock on Saturday and Sunday, although that doesn't have to be a deal breaker, but it's really important to try to go to bed at the same time every night. That way you're at least getting your body used to going to sleep at the same time every night. And sleep is so closely linked to so many other aspects of health, like it can be linked to your metabolism, hormone production, just a whole host of things. A lot of people don't realize if they skimp on sleep, it can be harder to lose weight. Um, during sleep, our body does a really important task. And that is kind of like taking out the trash. Um, your brain does a detox while you're sleeping. And if you shorten the length of time that you sleep, then you're shorting, you know, you're shortening that period of time that your body is doing a detox. So sleep and diet are very, very closely linked and it's important to get both aspects, right? So if you're following a keto diet or another type of diet, and you're not seeing a lot of progress and you're missing out on a lot of sleep. Maybe you're only getting five or six hours of sleep. You might try increasing your sleep to a, a little bit more seven, hopefully eight hours of sleep and see a little bit more progress. But there's a lot of a lot of factors that come into play with getting good sleep hygiene. I've written a ton of articles, like you said, on that organic mom about getting good sleep and some different techniques that people can do. I won't go into all of those. There's a free ebook on my website you can get that will help you do some little hacks and work on some simple techniques to make sure that you get good sleep. Yeah, sleep, I agree, is so pivotal, especially when you're trying to eat healthy. (laughs) I notice when I don't sleep, I don't have a good night's sleep. I'm more apt to like want just anything, eat anything. (laughs) Snacking. And there's actually a correlation there with hormonal levels. Like you're saying, like when you don't sleep, you get hungrier. 
It's true. Yes. Both of the hormones that are released whenever you don't get, there's a lot that ties into it. It's, there's a lot of science behind it and it, it doesn't have to be complicated. The bottom line is just, you need good sleep to be fully healthy. Exactly. Okay. Wonderful. So let's talk a little bit about your zero waste a section that's on that organic mom, which I find very interesting. I, I love it because it helps me feel like I can do more than help the environment and, and I want to do whatever I can. So I, I really yeah. love that, that part of your blog. So I actually signed up for your zero waste mini workshop mm-hmm. and have a whole blog, uh, waste free Tennessee dedicated to this, mm-hmm. which I really love. So kind of tell me a little bit more about what inspired you to kind of delve into the waste free aspect of things. And then mm-hmm. also what can we do on a day-to-day basis to help our environment every day? Sure. Well, thank you for mentioning that. I'm happy that you signed up for it because, and I'm happy that you're interested in it. I think there's so many things that get in the way of people actually taking those steps to start reducing waste. And when a lot of people hear the term zero waste, they think of those kind of high profile people who keep all of their waste in a jar for an entire year. And they think that is what zero waste is. And it's really, those people haven't achieved zero waste because zero is zero, right? So if they had achieved zero waste, they wouldn't have a jar full of waste. And while it's impressive that they could fit their entire year or two years worth of waste into a jar. It's just not reasonable for, you know, average people to go to that extreme. It's, it's a great goal. And it's something that I would love to work towards. It's why I always say zero waste effort instead of going zero waste, because if you make the effort, you're on your way there. It's a journey. It's not really a destination. Um, I'm, I guess I got into doing this because I, I just wanted to make a difference like you pretty much like everyone else, you see all of the stuff around you, animals that are suffering and just the climate change and all of the things that are going on in the world. And you feel so overwhelmed. And I saw my kids like getting upset about these things because there's a lot of propaganda out there, different kinds of information about all the animals that are affected by all of the plastic pollution and everything. So I just wanted to know that I was doing something that would make a difference. And so I started going to an event that we have here in Knoxville, Tennessee, where I live. It's called Earth Fest and it's every year around Earth Day. It's a completely zero waste event. And a lot of vendors go and they'll set up these educational booths. And it's, like I said, a zero waste event. You're not allowed to bring any kind of plastic or trash or anything like that. They have like food vendors and everything and everything is reusable. And so it's kind of like an example, almost like a utopian world where there's no trash. And so it takes a, a huge effort to pull off an event with no waste, especially when there's food involved. Um, so every year I would try to go and set up one of these booths and educate people. Sometimes I would teach people how to pack their children's lunch for school without any kind of plastic and all reusable containers and different kinds of healthy recipes they could use and all of the various options of zero waste lunch boxes and different things like that. And so every year it would kind of be a different theme. 
but it was all based on zero waste. And that kind of transitioned into doing these workshops where, you know, I would teach people baby steps to going zero waste or reducing waste at home. Because what I found in talking to all of these people is that people think it's like an all or nothing. They think like they either have to be that person fitting their waste in the jar or they can't make a difference at all. But every little thing you do, if everyone thought, well, it's not going to make a difference if I don't recycle, it's not going to make a difference if I use plastic water bottles or whatever the thing is. A lot of people will think it's just one, I'm just one person. What, what does it matter if I don't recycle my cardboard? What, what difference does it make if I use a plastic straw? But if everyone had that mindset, you, you see how big it can get. There's millions of people and right. So like here in Tennessee, I can't remember what the population is millions. I think like 6 million or something like that. Don't quote me, but yeah, I think around 6 million ish people in Tennessee. And I'm like, yeah, I don't have to reach the whole world. I could just reach the people around me and just teach them set up a recycling bin, say no to plastic straws. You can drink from a cup, just regular. It's, it's not hard. I mean, I will say there are people who are physically unable to drink from a cup and they need a straw, but that's a certain circumstance. For the most part, we can drink without using a straw or we can recycle, we can go around the house and find water leaks and fix them and repair them. There's a lot of little things that you can do. And that's why I created the mini workshop is it's a seven day project plan. It helps people to get on board with reducing waste and commit to being a person who just has a goal of reducing waste in their life. And you're never gonna do it perfectly. I'm not perfect. Even those high profile people, they're, they're not perfect at it either. You just have to live your life to a certain extent. But my goal is to encourage people to be activists, to speak up. Don't walk by trash. If you see trash on the ground, pick it up and you'll see people say, but I didn't put it there. It's not my trash. It's not your trash, but it is your world that you live in and you know, you're walking by it. So just pick it up. Oh yeah. My husband and I both teach our kids when we hike, it's like, okay, pick up trash. You see the trash, then pick it up. And um, even if we use gloves or if it depends if it's on our property, of course, you know, we, right. It's like, how did that get there? <laughs> we use gloves regardless, but, but yeah. you know, with your kids, this is something that's actually in that seven day project plan inside of the mini workshop. Kids absolutely love to go on these well, the Swedish call them this process, they call it plogging, where you go jogging and picking up litter at the same time, but we do like litter pickup walking. And so what I do, you can get these, I call them picker uppers. It's like a little thing with a handle and you pick up, like you can squeeze it and it has a pincher on the end and it just picks oh, yeah. up. Yeah. You can just, when you see trash and you don't have to bend over anything, but kids absolutely love using those picker uppers. So I just, would, they would love that. Okay. That's one of the optional items on the list of things for the projects is to get a couple of picker uppers for your kids. And when you're out walking, just take a bag and take your picker uppers and, and see who can find the most things to pick up with their picker upper. It's probably good. Yeah, exactly. I think it's probably good for like, it's for grounding by cleaning your environment, like a natural grounding effect. 
for sure. I'm interested to see a little bit more research research on that, picking up trash and grounding because you're doing things for nature and you're helping to clean it up. Yeah. And for sure. I, I totally agree. I love earthing and spending time with my feet on the ground. I think it's so healthy for you. The last thing I would say about zero waste is it's important to try to support sustainable companies when you can. So if you have like a favorite product and you notice that it's like wrapped in way too much plastic, you know, reach out to the company and say, Hey, I love your product, but I really love it more if you chose more sustainable packaging. Don't be afraid to say something. If you have a favorite restaurant and they use the styrofoam clamshells to say, hey, you know, we're really trying to cut back on waste and styrofoam can't be recycled. It goes straight into the landfill and we would love to support your business. However, we don't want to support styrofoam. So we would love it to see you using a more sustainable to-go container or can we bring our own to-go containers? So, yeah, yeah, every bit helps. It does. All right. So recently you created a, like a blog, I think last year it's called naturally Rebecca, which I really like <laughs> it's targeted towards women in their fifties, which I, I like that too. That, that's awesome. So what is some good advice that you can give women of, of this age group who are wanting to make their fifth de- decade the best yet? Like what? <laughs> talk a little bit more about that blog and what inspired you to do that blog and what is advice for women in that 50 age range mm-hmm. oh gosh well I mean I don't necessarily give advice per se I just share and I invite others to share and I think that's part of why creating community is so important to me and to you, which is why we have our community together. I don't know if you've told your listeners about our community that we have, the healthologist community, but we can talk about that in a minute. But about being 50, I am just about to turn 50. So maybe by the time this podcast airs, I will be 50, but my birthday's in May. And so I'm like, you look great. So you (laughs) thank you. I'm like coming up on 50 and I'll tell you when I turned 30 and when I turned 40, it was devastating for me. Both of those birthdays were really, really hard on me. I couldn't believe I was going to be 30. I vividly remember just feeling like I was going to be so old because I was 30. Right. And then the next birthday I was going to be 40. And I remember one of my closest friends, I was so sad about turning 40 and just like, Oh, I can't believe I'm getting old. And um, one of my friends said, well, now it's time to start having forties fun. And I thought really, and then I did, I had a lot of forties fun. It was a great decade and it's coming to an end. And this is my first decade that I'm going into. Like, I'm actually so excited about turning 50. My life is very, I'm so blessed and I'm have a very wonderful life. And I'm very thankful for all of the, um, years that I've had here on this earth. And I'm just thankful to be alive. Um, and I know that sounds a little melodramatic or whatever, but my sister passed away at 42. She had a ovarian cancer. And when I look in the mirror and I see a wrinkle in my you know, little crow's feet or wrinkles coming around my lips or the gray, which I totally let grow out. When I see those signs of aging, I just look at them and think proof I'm alive. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm like embracing it because like I said, my sister passed away at 42. She never got to live past that. And so she didn't, 
get to experience the onset of wrinkles and hair going gray and all of that. So I'm just thankful. Yeah. And age is just a number, really. I mean, you're only as old as you look and feel and you don't look. And we just have to take it with a grain of salt. You know, once we turn a certain age, it's like, okay, well, <laughs> well, I can tell you, and I'm sure any other women my age will tell you that getting into your fifties is so amazing because I spent my twenties and thirties caring so much about what everyone else thought about me and what I did and the choices I made. And now I'm in my fifties and I pretty much live the way I want to and do what I want to. And if someone doesn't like that, they can take it or leave it. And I think a lot of women getting into their fifties kind of have that mindset. You know, I only have this much life to live left. I don't know how many that years that is 20, 35, we could die tomorrow. We don't know. But once you get to this age, I think you're like thinking about it. And I want to live the rest of my life the way I want to. I don't want to be jumping through hoops for someone else, you know, cause who knows how much life we have left. And that's a good lesson at any age. That's right. Anyways. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about the community. So Rebecca and I, we started a community called healthologist and it has wonderful information about you. Why don't, I'll let you explain it. We both kind of had this concept that we write a lot of content about health and longevity, wellness, keto diets, family health, chakras, just all of the different aspects of health. There's a lot of different pillars to health, sleep, diet, clean water, exercise. So we wanted to create a place where people continue having a conversation about all of these different topics and ask questions and get feedback and communicate with other people who have maybe had a health challenge um, similar to theirs. You know, a lot of times whenever you are diagnosed with a condition, you're just like, the first thing you want to do is get online and Google it. And then you start Googling and you're like, ah, this is scary. And so um, we just wanted to create a space for people to just say what they wanted to say and talk about what they wanted to talk about one without being censored, like a lot of social media nowadays is. And we wanted a space where people would feel comfortable talking about their health situations. And that's why we decided to create healthologists. There's a lot of content in there. Some of the content is also on our website, but we will like, I know you do this. And so do I, when I create, for example, a blog post or a recipe or something, I might create some bonus content that kind of goes along with it, or like I might dive deeper into the subject in the community. So that's a little bit of what we offer there. Right. It's kind of a place where they can vent to us about any kind of health disorders that they may have encountered or kind of look for a different approach other than conventional too get some feedback on different other ways to deal with a condition or emotional challenge, <laughs> that sort of thing. So, all right. I'm glad you said that about venting because before we created this community, I had a, a Facebook group and several hundred people in this group. And one of the things that I would hear from the people in the group was that it was a place where they felt comfortable expressing their frustrations and venting about whatever the chronic illness that they may have, these things, maybe they don't want to talk about that on their main social media page or whatever, or they maybe have been judged for talking about it. I recently shared 
a story in the community about one of my friends who was fat shamed at her gym by her trainer. And she had been making so much progress. I don't know how much weight she'd lost, maybe 50 to 60 pounds and had done that on her own. And then she decided to hire a trainer to take it a step further. And when she did that, the first couple of training sessions went okay with him. And then she had diastasis recti. And so she had like a four inch separation in her abdominal muscles. And so she couldn't do crunches. Her doctor had specifically told her not to do crunches. And he was like trying to get her to do crunches and trying to make her do all of these exercises that really weren't fit for someone who had this condition. And he basically fat shamed her and then told her that she wasn't going to make progress unless she followed his advice. Yeah. And so that's the kind of thing we talk about in there. And then we talk about like, how can we overcome this? How can we prevent this from happening to other women? And so that led to my booking at one of the top female trainers in the United States on my podcast. She's going to come on and we're going to talk about how to find a trainer that works for you. Right. There's so many different body types, but it's like some of these trainers, I think you do get some of them that are just all, they're just so aggressive and, oh, this is what you should look like. They have an image mm -hmm. they think, mm -hmm. it's like, no, that's, that's not what it is at all. And, and so, and that's the problem nowadays is we compare ourselves to so many, you know, as women, we're like, oh, well, we should look like that. We find a picture of someone, I mean, not everybody, <laughs> but you know, a lot of women do. Right. Well, in this circumstance, you know, this was a 30 year old man who was expecting a 45 year old woman who had had seven children and a twin pregnancy to have the same results with his plan that he did. And that just isn't going to happen. Right. And that just deters people from even wanting to do stuff. Exactly. She stopped going to the gym for yeah. two weeks because she was so self-conscious yeah. about the way he treated her and about her body and him feeling like she wasn't actually doing the work when she was, and she right. knew deep down that she was. So it just took a little pep talk and she's back on track. And I'm happy to say that now she has moved on to a female trainer and she's back in the gym. That's, that's wonderful. So yeah, so yeah. great things to talk about. I mean, that you're right. We can't, it's hard to on regular social media platforms nowadays. So that's mm -hmm. the, our community. That's what you, you can vent and just be yourself. <laughs> yeah. And right now it's really a good time to get into the community because we're still accepting founding members. I think we've got maybe a hundred people in there ish right now. Yeah. Um, maybe a little bit less than that, but right now it's like $29 a year to get in, but yeah. As we start to reach our upper limit, we're definitely going to, the price is going to go up a little bit. So yeah, now's a good time to get in. <laughs> get in while the getting's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, this, this has been a great chat. Anything else that you want to add? Yeah, I think we pretty much covered it. Yeah, I think we have. Too. Yeah, this was a great episode. Thank you so much for having me on. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. I, I love reading your blog as well. I think you've done a great job sharing information about the keto diet and about chakras. And I've learned so much from you. So I just enjoy working with you. Thank you. Well, same here. I, and I enjoy working with you as well. So this has been great and we'll do this again. So, <laughs> all right, well, I'll talk to you soon, Rebecca. Take care. <laughs> Thanks. Bye.
This has been the Holistic Keto Goddess Podcast with Jessica Ankaya. Follow the Holistic Keto Goddess on social media like Pinterest, Twitter, and Facebook. If you have any questions about today's show or how you can live a healthier life, visit HolisticKetoGoddess.com and go more in-depth with blogs and healthy living resources. Like, share, subscribe, and listen wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Thank you for listening to the Holistic Keto Goddess Podcast with Jessica Ankaya.